Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. I just want to share a little bit about just something that God's been speaking to me, and that's pretty much what I do uh, when I share is I just kind of break off a piece of what God's been showing me. So, um, and can I start with a funny story? Okay. So I was looking at my notes and I don't think I've told you all this story from up here, but I'm sure some of you I've told before, but so I was looking at my notes and a couple weeks ago, basically God was speaking to me about recalibrating us and being like a chiropractic appointment. Um, and it's just, I think, because of the last year and things that we've all gone through, like, there's sometimes been, like, not tonight, Sid got us going good. Like, he was just, you know, but sometimes I think we can feel kind of tired. Right, can anybody relate just with everything that's going on? And so I, what I want to share about tonight was that I, f- I feel like God is just recalibrating us into this place of really walking in our true identity. And I feel like in that place, it's going to break off some tiredness. But it reminded me of a story, so... Uh, Chuck and I were like very newlyweds. <laughs> we're like um, baby newlyweds. And we went to speak at a house church in Sacramento. <laughs> and we took one of my best friends with us. Well, she had just gotten some dental work. Um, and <laughs> she didn't go maybe to the most reliable place. So she gets up to give a prophetic word at this house church. And she says, I feel like there's some of you are tired. Just stand up if you're feeling tired. But right as she ends with that part, her new tooth, her front tooth, just goes flying out into this little house church crowd. And so they all start to, like, kind of everybody gathers around. They're, like, trying to find the tooth. And Chuck and Chuck looks over at me, his new bride, and he didn't know me well enough yet to know this probably wouldn't work. He goes, do you want to finish that word? And I was like, I don't have a word for all the tired people. <laughs> He didn't know me well enough to know that I wasn't going to do it if I didn't have something. But tonight I have a word for all the tired people. So, um, and I want to say this, like, there's not shame in being tired because Jesus got tired. So don't get me wrong. Like, sometimes we do get tired. Like, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he had stopped because he was tired, And that's how, like, the encounter happens. So I'm not saying every bit of tiredness is because you're not walking in your identity. So don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? Um, But I do feel like we're going to get a burst of energy that comes from being who we're created to be. And so what God's been speaking to me about is living a life of integrity. And I'm not going to talk about sin tonight. I'm not going to talk about a list of do's and don'ts. Because to tell you the truth... What I think about sin is that when we're really walking in our true identity, sin is not an issue. And I think we need to talk more about finding out who we are in Christ than sin. So um, I was watching TV one day, and um, I was watching like kind of a promo for a new show coming on. And there was this kind of middle-aged just a mom. I think she had like three grown boys or something and she was just just so cute. But she's getting like a new design show and she's driving down the street. You know how these shows go. So she's driving down the street and the camera's interviewing her and she said, this is like the time in life when most people slow down. And she's like, but I just feel like I 
like I'm just getting started and I have this like burst of energy and the Lord is just reminding me of that as I was preparing, just thinking like, like that's what's supposed to happen. Like when we like, cause she was functioning as an interior designer and it was in this, this thing this, that God had created in her, this unique facet of her being. And it was like, she was being plugged into that. And when she was plugged into that, it was like energizing rather than draining. And so that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, on the contrary, I think there are few things more draining than trying to be who people want you to be. If that didn't hit you, <laughs> it's also exhausting to place expectations on others to try to be like you. So I think all of us, I mean, we've done both of those things, you know, and I just, I'm excited to see us all get more free and step even more and further into like, the uniqueness of who we are. Uh, one of our little girls, oh my goodness, she loves fun. And fun is her motivator. It's like, you'll say like, we need to go do this. And she'll be like, can we buy a toy there? No, we're just going to get groceries. Well, that doesn't sound fun. I mean, that is literally like what we go through all day long. And it's, it's like a unique facet to who she is. It's actually her core value is fun. And I mean, but you know what? Like that, that obviously we have to develop her and she's our child that we have to tell, you know, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. And um, she's not really our servant or our helper really at the moment, <laughs> you know, she, um, she is not. Yeah. So anyway, we do have to develop her weaknesses, but that's something unique that God put in her. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's not something to even be ashamed of. Like, some of you out there, your motivator is fun. Your motivator is adventure. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in those things. We don't have to, like, over-spiritualize it. Like, we, we get to be who God created us to be. And that we just receive that power and that identity of Christ when we do step into those places. So here's the question that God's been asking me. Can you be yourself in every situation that I put you in? Not backing down, not over bucking up, being who he's made me to be. So integrity. What is integrity? Most of us have heard integrity in, in relation to doing what's right and wrong, but let's look at the definition. It's an unimpaired condition, soundness. The quality or state of being complete and undivided. Firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. I love this one. The state of being whole and undivided. Like who wants to live whole and undivided? That's what we're all created for. My definition is living true to who you are, no matter where you are or who you're with. Uh, the 1828 dictionary, it says that it's wholeness, entireness, and an unbroken state. Like we started out with, with um, gosh, I can't remember the lines, but we're coming up out of the grave. Like we are supposed to be living in an unbroken broken state. We are whole. Like sometimes we may not believe we're whole, but because of what Christ did on the cross, we are whole. 
Like because of what Christ did on the cross, we can live in integrity, not because we've worked up a muscle so hard that we just do the right thing all the time. Like it's Christ's power in me that gives me the authority to walk in integrity. The entire unimpaired state of anything, particularly of the mind, moral soundness or purity, incorruptness, honesty, purity, genuine, unadulterated, unimpaired. And the, the definition for impaired is weak or damaged state. Like because of what Jesus did for us, we're no longer in a weak or damaged state. Integrated with various parts or aspects linked and coordinated. And this is, um, integrity is living from identity and not for it. So, how do we figure out who we are? I feel like I'm going to be pretty quick tonight, but we're going to jump through some scriptures too. Is the picture next? You can put it up. Okay. You're welcome, guys. (laughs) Clearly, I'm an artist. Um, It's just a part of who I am. So this is like the picture that came to my head is that it, it like living in integrity. Okay, so the first person is chaotic, and we've all lived in this state before, but this state is where everybody else gets to tell me who I am and who I'm not. You get a lot of I'm nots too, right? And it's chaos, and it's divided, and it is, um, it's not complete. Like it's the very opposite of integrity when we live in this state where we're just kind of letting it all come in and it's all hitting us. And, and when we're walking, when we're not walking in sonship, that does give authority to people. Tell me who I am. I'm an orphan. I don't know who I am. But when we're walking in sonship, we're integrated. So that means we go to the Father and we find out this is who I am. We gather, we collect. Nobody else is supposed to gather or collect this information for you. And we do value the prophetic, and people are going to add to it, but you're going to be the one that has to compile. Okay, who am I really? And so when we're living an integrated, integrous life, we receive from the Father, and then we release it everywhere we go. I just felt like you needed that picture to help you with that. So the first way that we live an integrated or integrous life, is integrous a word? I was really struggling with it when I was typing it. I must have just been spelling it wrong. Um, Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is to make space for solitude. We don't really talk about this a ton at church. Solitude. But Jesus did it, so I figure it's a good idea. And if Jesus needed solitude, then how much more do we need it? And let me jump back for just one second. I wanted to say this um, with the picture. Let me just go over this. Um, So, you know, in the very beginning in Genesis, it says, now the earth was formless and void. And then what happened? Yes, and God, he spoke. So, yeah, his spirit hovered over the waters and he spoke. And his voice is everything. Like hearing his voice. And so if you hear that and you're like, how do I hear God's voice? I have 
some help for you. Um, a couple weeks ago, Casey spoke. So if you go back and you look and you weren't here, Casey gave some super practical tips about how to hear God's voice. Um, and then if you want further stuff with hearing God's voice, this is not a plug. It's just like, here's some tools for helping if you're in a place where you're like, I don't even know where to start. Come to the prophetic. Learn how to hear God for others, and you're going to learn how to hear God for yourself. Okay, so back to solitude. Um, I think it's so important that we turn off the distractions, the noise. Like, we live in such a loud time. It's okay to turn your cell phones off. It's okay to leave them in another room for a couple hours. Like, the world will go on without us. It's okay to delete Instagram, to delete Facebook. Um, and this one kind of sounds harsh, but one thing we have to do to get into a place of solitude is to lay down our savior complexes. And the Lord is just speaking to me about this. And, you know, I don't know if it's like, Texan or being raised by two, both my parents were firstborns, like responsibility was a huge thing growing up. And my mom was handicapped, so that's a whole other dynamic of being overly responsible. But the Lord is speaking to me about how being overly responsible is actually a lack of trust and a need for control. So when I say to lay down our savior complex, that's what I mean. If you think the world can't go on without you, that's a problem. And talk about exhausting. Um, one time I was on the phone with my brother, and I was like early 20s, leaving a ministry and um, going to another ministry. And I was, you know, kind of like, how are they going to do it without me? Which is probably a whole compacted lots of issues in that statement. My brother was like, and he was, my brother was a Marine. He's like, you know that we're all replaceable. And like that statement has actually stuck in my head for like, what? 16 years, you know, like sometimes it is good to think that way. Like obviously we have unique things, but like the world will go on without us. And it's so key and it's so important that we learn how to do solitude. And that doesn't necessarily mean like some of the definitions for solitude are the desert. I'm not saying you have to go to Arizona. I'm just saying quiet down the noise. If you're feeling more chaos than peace, Turn off the cell phone and go for a walk. All right, so we're going to go through a bunch of verses about Jesus just because I think this is so fun. Are you guys watching The Chosen? And I'll talk about something with that later, but I feel like it just doesn't it make you just like think about Jesus so much more as this man. Like you're just like it makes even the gospels just come alive because it's just Jesus. So. I'll go through these kind of quickly. At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. Come, follow me, he said. Very, er very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Despite Jesus' plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, Jesus actually was our Savior. And even he took solitude. 
<laughs> like, he really is the savior of the world. And he was, like, fully God. But yet he still had a need for solitude. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying. When morning came, he called the disciples to him. You know, and with that, like, to think about that Jesus was, like, walking all over God's green earth, praying for so many people, and yet he still saw the value in that solitude with the Father enough to not sleep. Like, sometimes solitude is going to require sacrifice from us. Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large, crowd, large crowds gathered. Sometimes you're like, this poor guy. <laughs> Such large, large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. <laughs> like, sweet Jesus. He's like, I don't know whose boat this is, but I'm getting in. While all the people stood on the shore, and then he told them many things in parables. He was moved by compassion. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew to a boat privately to a solitary place. Because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourself. And he was even training his disciples. This is what, come with me, come away with me. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And then if you keep reading, the people found them, and we go on and on, you know? After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. <laughs> Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. This feels like when you're a mom and you go to the bathroom. There's like little fingers underneath the door. <laughs> like, Jesus, I get you. There's just not a moment where somebody doesn't want to be with you. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. I know, Jesus, I know. After his brothers had gone up to the feast, then Jesus also went up, not publicly, but in private. And then this, this is saying how Jesus walked 90 miles, which was five days in solitude. It's hard for us to compute, especially being Texans. We are not big walkers sometimes. So it's like we don't think about that Jesus was walking for days and days and days. And having time to process and to come back and to recenter himself in the Father and saying, Father, what are you saying? Um, where are we? At, again, the religious leaders in Jerusalem sought to arrest Jesus, but he escaped from their hands. He went, he went away again, walking about five miles. <laughs> they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those were afraid. Apparently, Jesus kept silent for most of the 22-mile hike. When Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and this was Jesus' usual place to pray when he was in Jerusalem. And then the last one says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. So all the way until the last moments. Jesus is valuing solitude. He's valuing getting away with the Father. And he, like Jesus, the Son of God, needed to step away from the noise, to step away from the demands, to step away from the needs, to stay plugged into the Father, to say, who are you saying I am right now? What am I supposed to be doing right now? You know, in, in the past six months, I would say more than I've had to in a long time, 
There's been so many days and so many mornings where I've had to get my journal out and say, okay, Lord, who do you say I am? What are you saying to me? What are you saying are my responsibilities? And I think it's so key in the season that we're in. So key, like, all the time. And I think it's even good to ask yourself, like, hey, like, what kind of resistance have you felt in regards to who you are? Because that will tell you more of who you are as well. Uh, The girls were watching a show the other day, and um, there was a little girl on it just kind of being not nice to another girl. And I said, oh, I said, is she a mean girl? And Autumn said, she said, no, she's not a mean girl. She just acts mean sometimes like we do. (laughs) I was like, no, that's revelation. You know, like she understands identity. Like that's not who you are. You're not the sum of your mistakes. You're not the sum of all your failures. Okay, so the first thing was solitude. Just talking about, hey, it's so important that we get alone with God and we ask him, who are you saying I am? What are you saying is my job? What are you saying is my role? And what are you calling me to right now? Because seasons shift and seasons change all the time. Okay, so the next thing I want to go over is celebrate your wins. Because like I said, you're not the sum of all your failures. And, and I don't even know, like, I think sometimes we don't realize how much we meditate on our failures. Anybody else? Like we actually meditate and we dwell on the things that we aren't doing right. And, and one of my mentors one time said she had to train herself at night as she laid in bed to go through her day and think about the things that she had done well or the things that she had done right. Because your identity is not your failures. Your identity is not shame. Like you're victorious. And we're not nobody's going to do it all perfect. But celebrating your wins is one of the ways that we can live an integrous life. This is Ephesians 3. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and filled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ, so that now we have a boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. As we learn to celebrate our wins, we grow in boldness. And we grow in confidence as we learn, okay, this is, this is who I am. This is what I offer. This is what I bring to the table. Um, I'm the youngest of four kids and, so, and way younger. Like uh, my oldest brother's 12 years older than me. So, my, you know, our dinner table was so loud and just lots of conversations, everything back and forth. And my mom said that my whole life, even from the time I was very tiny, um, I had a huge vocabulary. And I would just summarize what was happening at the table. And then, like, when I first started out in ministry, um, we had a, like, large team, and one of the girls on my team said, I've noticed that you do that. And, again, I was the youngest person on the team, but that's just, like, a part of who I am. So God is saying to me, like, hey, like, show up. Don't, like, back down from that. Like, bring that. Does that help you all to hear, like, a, like, unique example of, like, okay, and, and I want you to be asking yourself, like, Hey, like, what is it that I bring that's unique? And it could be something like that. 
Um, or it could be the way that photography brings you, to, like, brings life to you. Or do you know what I'm saying? Like, just all those things are like, don't discount them. It's so valuable. And when, you know, when Kelly talks about God pouring out a spirit of wisdom, like, it's this stuff. Like, we need to know, like, what do I bring to the world? Like, you're hurting and you're in pain. And what piece of Christ can I offer you? Because it's not just about us and look at all the things that I did well. But it is important that we have boldness and that we have confidence because the world needs us to offer that to them. And it's, it's out of a place of service. Y'all doing good? All right. The next one is, so we've, we've talked about solitude, celebrating your wins. The next one is stop comparing. Um, so on the way to church last week, I don't even remember what it was, like, when you have identical twins, maybe when you just have more than one child, it's like if you have one three M&Ms and the other gets four M&Ms, game over. And I was like, girls, I was like, Aunt Sarah has a way bigger house than mommy. And mommy's really okay with that. You know, like it's a, we don't all have to have equal portions of everything. Like, I'm glad I don't have that many bathrooms to clean, you know, or that many kids to listen to sometimes, <laughs> that many fingers under the door. Like, it's, and it's not bad. It's just I had to explain to them, like, you know what? This is how life works. You are not living in a socialistic home. We are not always going to be even all the time because it's not how it works in the kingdom. So stop comparing if you have to turn off social media, if you are getting discouraged, if you turn every time you're off social media, you are discouraged, you're chaotic, you're not living in the fruit of the Spirit, it's not worth it. Like this generation has been attacked by this comparison thing, I think more than any other, because it's like, you know, we're not just looking at our neighbor's oxen, we're looking at millions of, you know, like the, the Ten Commandments, like when Moses is like, don't, don't be jealous of their oxen. We're looking at like millions and thousands of people and what do they have and what do I not have and who's their friends and what they get invited to. I'm like, gosh, bless the junior high kids. I, I mean, bless you guys. I can't imagine you already feel like left out of things and then you have social media. I mean, it's so we've got to stop comparing as not everything is going to be equal all the time. And we have to trust the goodness of God in that. Uh, one of, like years ago, I was in Wyoming and some of our spiritual parents, um, he, he's just a real dad and he pulled me into the back and he was just talking to me and he was like, God's timing is not the same for everyone. <laughs> and he was just like, and I, at that point I was single and I like wanted a family and I'm just, you know, you just feel like super forgotten and you look around, you're like, what's wrong with me? And you get hopeless and it's just it's just this place, it's not, it's not kingdom and it's not Jesus because it's all about comparing to other people and trying to, I've lived like two decades of my life like on this timetable and this timeline, you know, and then flash forward and I like, I had the twins, like every, that felt like it happened fast and I was like, okay, I'm good, I'm good for a little while, <laughs> I'm good because, you know, and then I had another word one time when we were trying to have the twins that somebody said God's going to make up the last time, the lost time. 
And that was in January of one year. By May, I was pregnant with the twins. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing, God. <laughs> I'm good. You're good to me. <laughs> this is a lot. You know, but we need to trust that, that God's timing for us, that God's, like, the portion that he's given us is good. Like, and if you are struggling with that, like, meditate on Psalm 23. Like, I shall not want. Because, this is, like, if you create a society where everything has to be equal all the time, nobody stands out. There's no creativity. We're stripped of our identity in Christ. It creates, like, false humility. And I don't know if I should say that. Filter. Um, If you create a society where everybody gets equal all the time, then what happens is when somebody, like, starts to rise up a little bit, starts to get a little confident, there's an immediate going to just cut you down. We're going to make sure that we all stay like this. And you lose so much. It's so boring, too. God never meant for it just to everybody can only be this height. Even though the Baileys and the Mars are all the same height. (laughs) We need some Joeys in the world. I think our whole team is like, (laughs) and then Joey, yeah. But you guys know what I'm saying. Like, when we strive to be just like somebody else, then we fight against the very nature that God placed in us. It says in Romans 8 that the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Like the whole universe is just waiting for us to live an integrous life. The whole universe like, is saying, just be who you are. Stop comparing. I don't want you to be her. I don't want you to be him. Like, not just God, but the whole universe wants us to be who God made us to be. The Amplified Version says, For even the whole creation, all of nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. So the, and the fastest way to kill that, I think, is to just to compare and just to, get, to, just to get trapped in that place of comparison. God is good to you. And God is good to me. And that looks different. And even having identical twins, I'm not going to promise them. I don't want to always give them the same of everything because they have a unique identity. They probably look the same to most people in this room, probably couldn't tell them apart. But they have a unique identity. And if anything, there's a stewardship for us to, to do that even more so that they develop their unique identities and not just some kids say their names so fast together. It's like one word, Charlie Nottam. Um, but, and I, I don't think that's what God does with us. He's not, and that would be so boring if he was just like, here's your husband. Here's your children. Here's your house. You know what I'm saying? Like he takes us on this adventure where we get to trust him. All right, the next one. Oh, silence the shoulds. And all of us Southern people are like, oh. 
If we're living from a bunch of shoulds, then we're probably not living from integrity. Because do you know what the shoulds do? And what I'm saying is um, if you're hearing in your mind a lot, I should do that, or I should do this, or I shouldn't do this. I think it produces a lot of double-mindedness in us. And I think should is rooted in shame. Not in identity. When we live from should, we offer the world a fragmented version of ourselves. And then I think I have a definition of integrity up again. It's an unimpaired condition, soundness, the quality or state of being complete and undivided. So I feel like when we live in the land of shoulds, we become so divided and we become so impaired. Does that make sense? Because really in a should world, we're living out of, I need you to approve of me. Is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing here? Do you like this? or lack, or um, overly responsible, which is lack of trust. So we need to learn how to silence the shoulds in our life. And um, this was going to talk about one thing that really stood out to me with watching The Chosen this season is I noticed, and I was telling Chuck the other day, man, like a lot of people had opinions about Jesus' leadership. Has anybody else picked up on that? So it starts out with his mom, which she was probably right. She's the mom. But she's like, basically, she's like, you need to make some wine, Jesus. And, and Mary had an opinion about when his ministry should start. And then Peter, like Peter has some opinions about Jesus. He's like, Pete, you know, he, oh, man, we all have Peters in our lives. Um, maybe some of us are Peters. But Peter's like, come on, Lord, when are we going to do this? Come on, come on, come on. You know, he's just like, I don't know, what personality type. He's, I guess he's type A. You know, Peter's like, let's get this going. And Jesus is just walking with him, just processing, just listening. Do y'all remember that part where Peter has an earful for Jesus about his timing and when are we going to get this thing going? And he's doing the whole song and dance. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I we're not even Jesus. But there's always going to be people around that have opinions about how we're doing things. And we, in order to really, like, we have to go back to that place of solitude and saying, Jesus, who are you saying I am, and, and what am I supposed to be doing now? Because even Jesus was doing that. He had his ear tuned to heaven, and he could listen and have grace for the Peters. Peter. <laughs> but he, he knew, that, and he would almost kind of laugh at him, which you wonder if that's how it really was. You know, he just kind of like, Peter, <laughs> you're cute. Um, and, and we have grace for that, but at the end of the day, we need to know, okay, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing right now? And then, um, this isn't giving anything away, but even like in the last episode, like he and John the Baptist, which some of you may not have seen it yet. I don't know who else seen it, but he and John the Baptist are kind of having like some back and forth about this very thing. Like John the Baptist is about to go to Herod and confront him about, taking his brother's wife, and Jesus is kind of just like, okay. <laughs> like, he's going to let him do it. And then and then John the Baptist is kind of annoyed, like, Jesus, come on, stir the pot. Like, we all have John the Baptist in our lives too, right? 
And that's okay. Like going back to the whole thing of like, you're, we're not supposed to be trying to make everybody be like us. Because that's exhausting too. So, so Jesus just listens to John and he lets him go. And, you know, you see him letting him go and you see how Jesus knows. Like he knows like that's the last time I'm going to see my cousin. Um, so, you know, when you think about that, okay, even Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, he had people look in his life and say, maybe you should try this. He had a suggestion box, which, yeah. You know what I mean? So we, we have to come to this place where louder than any other voice to us is the voice of the Father. Because it's exhausting to live by shoulds. And it's exhausting to compare. All right, Romans 8. The mature, mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So that's our goal. Like, we want to live in maturity. We want to move by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You did not, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, which I would say that would be your shoulds, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ... We also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. So that's Romans 8, 14 through 17. And I just felt like that was like such a good kind of like wrapping for what I've been talking about. And then I'll just summarize. And then I just want to pray over you guys that even this week, like as you're driving and as you're um, spending time with the Lord, that there would be just a grace to dig into this place of like, who am I uniquely? Like, who do you, what are you saying about me? And what are you calling me to in this season? So our four points um, for living an integrous life, solitude, celebrating your wins, stop comparing and silence the shoulds. So if you guys want to stand up, I will pray for you. All right. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I thank you that it is energizing to live the way that you created us to live. God, I just bless every single <laughs> heart in this room to be fully set free. God, just even as we go into a new week, Lord, that your voice would be so Lord, that we would be, <laughs> that we would have the consideration to quiet all the noise so that we can hear your voice. And God, I just say that you are worthy. Like you are worthy of turning down all the noise. <laughs> that there's really no better use of our time than to listen to you. And so, Lord, I just bless. I bless us just to walk further and further into who you say we are. 
And I just break off any chains of people feeling um, shoulds. I break off any comparison. And Lord, I even release people just that they would celebrate this week, that they would celebrate the things that are going well in their families. They would celebrate the things that are going well in their jobs. They would celebrate, God, just all the good things that are happening around them. And God, that you would help us to train our hearts and our minds instead of meditating on our failures, that we would start to celebrate the ways that we're, that we're doing well. <laughs> so Lord, I just bless each person in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.